So, Vodi, the subtitle for your book is Can Faith Thrive in a Post-Christian Culture? So for our listeners, explain what you mean by post-Christian culture. Yeah, you know, that's a phrase I, I uh, borrowed from Francis Schaeffer. Mm. Um, and it's interesting for him to have been talking about post-Christian culture. During his all time. That, yeah, during, <laughs> yeah, during, during his time. Right. And what I mean by that is not that Christianity is gone, right? That all vestiges of Christianity have, 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 have faded away because that's not true. But the way that I illustrate it for people is it's like American culture is a, a petulant teenager mm. who's decided, I know better, yep. right? I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. He's not acknowledging the fact that every tool he has in his toolbox so came good. from his family yeah. that raised him, right? right? But he thinks... I'm going to go and I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. That's America yeah. as it relates to Christianity. Have you guys ever heard someone say, wait, should we start that again, Scotty? No, no, no. Really, that was I thought he had hit record or not, but I guess he did. So I'll just do it again, even though you we're still going, but I will because I like it. Have you ever heard... <clears throat> Someone say, now do it for all the marbles. Oh. You ever heard that? I have. No, but I used to play marbles. I loved so it. So did I. Yeah. Okay. So Great game. Enlighten me because, well, chess. first of all, the saying. Ray, did you, that sounds like a saying you guys would have said. No, no. Back, no see, if you've lost, your, back in your, lost your marbles, that means you're going crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's one too. Yeah. But for all the marbles. Well, I want to, do you, are you looking for the etymology of that phrase? Because I can make something up if you want. Please. <laughs> well, like usual. You see, back in the day, they used to trade by marbles. <laughs> <laughs> that was the currency of the yeah. Well, in these childish days, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But, Ray, marbles, those are a big part of, like, your era. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, Oscar the, the used to play, and he's just a little boy. <laughs> the um, ancient era. Do you know what a stinker is? A stinker? Yeah, there were these little marbles that were just useless. That's what you'd, you'd say, no stinkers when you won. Oh, is that won. where we get you, little stinker? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> what are you looking at me when you said that? <laughs> Minute stinker. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, marbles are a great game. Very much like soccer without the crowd and the uh, nets and the ball. <laughs> without all the adrenaline and the fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what? what but what's... I, I don't... I'm sorry, but I don't... Mark, did you play marbles growing up? Don't go off me. I'm going to tell <laughs> you the answer to what you were just saying. <laughs> but wait, first I need you to gotta, hear from Mark. You have to understand, for Ray, there was one of two things to do growing up. There was marbles, and then that that thing with the wheel with the stick. That was like the only thing <laughs> we, never, we never did that. That was cavemen. Uh, no, but the thing about marbles is when you won, you collected the other person's marbles. So it was like you oh, had theft. A, yeah. No, <laughs> gambling. No, it, was, it, it was instant winning. It was a great feeling to... <laughs> Ray, Ray was a part a of the marble ma- mafia. Like, hey, man, you want marbles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I've been intrigued with marbles all my life. You haven't had all your life. I, wa- I watched a video how they make them, too. It's kind I mean, of it's a, a weird process. It's yeah. kind of a weird word to say over, over and over marble, again. Marble, marble, marble. <laughs> <laughs> Every word is weird if you keep saying it again and again. And again. Seven yeah. she- sheiks. No, that you're careful, Mark. But but have you guys ever wondered like how how this all starts these sayings? You mean marbles? Well, someone says it. There's someone who had to have been the first person that said for all the marbles. Oh, the first person who said a bird in the hands with two in the bush. Yeah, there was a first person. I mean, it's unlikely. It was that... probably Adam. <laughs> <laughs> when he named the animals, yeah, he just came up with these bird things. Bird in the hands with two in the bush. But but. 
people just start saying them without thinking about what they what they signify. I, I remember seeing a video years ago where they were they would interview people on the streets, and they would say something totally nonsensical, and people would be like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> Things are more now than they've ever been. Things are more like they are now than they ever were before. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Yeah, but things like that that just, you know, pop up and people start making stuff up and going with it. And Yeah, the guy that said down in the mouth was a dentist. <laughs> Mr. Down in the mouth dentist. Um, I, I read this book on writing one time and it pointed out, like, try writing something without using previously spoken idioms. Because what you realize is that we depend so much on, on previously spoken idioms. And so colloquialisms, too. And colloquialisms, yeah. That, that's a that's a that's a colloquialism. You yeah. Well, when we came across the U.S., we were we were just stuck to express ourselves or certain things because we used a colloquialism and we knew what it meant, but you guys didn't have a clue what it meant. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah, right, shaving the sheep. <laughs> shaving <laughs> the sheep. What are you talking about? Shaving the sheep. Sharing the sheep. <laughs> shaving the sheep. Oh man, you don't want to hear the Lebanese things I grew up with. What do you got there? What's listen, in the box? Uh, we got a box in the mail all the way from British Columbia. Pause. Is it ticking? <laughs> not this one. Okay, any okay. any not white powder <laughs> from uh, Hasty Gomez. She's got an Instagram page called Biblical and Reform. But she had ended up sending us a box filled with merch. Let's go. Ooh, Ooh is that glitter? I see too. Merch, 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 Ooh. merch for everybody. Oh, let's see. What is this? Wow. Oh, there's so it's so glittery. What is that? Oh, glitter. Boy, Ooh, this is just little nice bags. Little fancy bags. To live Ooh. is Christ and to die is gain. That's true. What is this? Right? Oh, and wait. Patches. It's not a bag. It's a sweatshirt wrapped That's in the hoodie. That's a sweatshirt. And these cool. are sweatshirts. Is this her swag? This is her swag. Unashamed of the gospel. Ooh, of the gospel. Look at this. So uh, I need it. we got stuff for everybody here. Hmm. Thank you. Isn't that nice? nice? So, so this is going to be so tied, on, tied on my biceps, but I'll manage. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple different sizes in here, so grab the size that you want. And, yeah, I think, uh, Ray, I think I saw an extra small. Let the crew. <laughs> Super small. Oh, this is so cool. Thank you nice. so much. That is really sweet. Yeah. Hooded sweatshirts, regular size sweatshirts. People What's that one there? Is that a Ray? shirt or a hoodie or a... Ooh. Ooh, I'd wear that. To live as Christ. That's a crew neck. Nice. So these are black with white writing on them, and they're very yeah. attractive. For those who can't see. I'm sure we're going to get emails. I follow there. her on uh, Instagram, and uh, boy, she's got some great posts. Maybe we can add her uh, link into the show notes. Sure. Surely. <laughs> do one of us know how to do that? Someone listening does. Yeah. I'm sure uh, Scotty can take care of it. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and I'm that. sure we're going to get emails about this being Illuminati stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we do. Everything is Illuminati. Oscar's hair is in the shape of an Illuminati symbol. Did you notice the triangle? <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah. When you get into the Illuminati, there's approved hairdos. Yeah. And you got to pick one out of the 20. The, the, the thing the that you can one. pick someone with Illuminati is they strap two of their middle fingers on their, <laughs> on the, on their left hand. Yes, that's, that's it. That's a sign. For those not uh, who cannot see, I have, my, I have two uh, middle fingers strapped together because I have a ruptured tendon. And a broken foot. And a broken foot. I'm sure something's wrong with your head, too, Oscar. <laughs> well, that's obvious. <laughs> Some broken that's there. Where it all started. All right. And we also got a box full of goodies from our friend Jeremy, who we told you all about, the 16 year old whose father's in the military. And uh, he sent us a picture of him with the mug that's and awesome. the evidence Bible. And a the hat. Really, a hat, some cookies, a nice, cool little egg thing with some cool little uh, crocheted We text things. quite a bit. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a beard at 16. Look at this. 
I'm 39 and I don't you know. Jealous, yeah. right? Oscar still can't grow that. <laughs> I had to wait until 28 before that. I grow a mustache. My yeah. eyebrow came down for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Uh, we have a comment. This is from Nice and Holy App. Holy App. Hi, I'm 13 years old. My name is... <laughs> Are you rapping this? <laughs> I, have a, I have a qualification here, too, on it, because he said we may get his name wrong, and that's okay. J-I-S-A... H-A-C, High Shack, something like that. I love this podcast. My dad told me about it, and it is encouraging to know that there are still real men to look up to in the world, and cool how y'all can make me laugh while teaching the Bible. I really admire what y'all do. Keep it up, and can't wait for you to keep posting. Aww, I thought it was kind of rude that he didn't mention Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, are you gargling, Mark? All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by the Starter Kit. 350 tracks, 101 funniest one-liners, good person comic, million-dollar bill, gospel tract, and the Ten Commandment coins. Starter Kit. Ray, whose idea was a starter kit? I started it. <laughs> Did you bake in the day? hmm I remember that was one of the first... Things I might have gotten from Living Waters. Starter kit. I think so. Really? No, we didn't have it back then. No, did we not? Different starter kit. Well, it would have been something different. It was an idiot kit. Yeah. <laughs> That's why oh, I no, it. I'm thinking of the track sample pack. <laughs> <laughs> the track sample pack, that's right. Yeah, that's something okay. else. We'll be mentioning that uh, on another podcast. But the starter kit, boy, these have gone really yeah, well. Yeah, they're, they're great. It's a, it's a good way to start giving out tracks. Use the starter kit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ray, on that, on that note, I, w- I was just thinking about it. Do you remember the first time you ever gave a tract out? Yeah. Seriously? Really? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was brand new Christians on a Saturday down in... Brighton. The was, actual was it, very first time. Yeah, I went, went among some shoppers on a sidewalk and handed out a tract, and I remember it. Was it chiseled in stone? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> were, were other people handing out tracts? I can't remember. It was like 200 years ago. Who, who made the tract? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I got it. Yeah, I thought by, by all means, and I think someone was gave it me biblical? some tracts. Yes, I'm sure it was. Brighton? Did you say Brighton? <laughs> New Brighton. That was the name of the suburb. Are we going there? I think you are. You're going to look at my old uh, yeah. leather gear store. Friends, we oh. are going on a journey. Are your we old, really? Your old what, Ray? Leather gear store. I had a surf shop and a leather gear store. So fun. I was just thinking about this morning. The greatest advice I was ever given by anyone was stay small. Do you remember that? Uh, you've done that very well. <laughs> <laughs> you followed. You took it a little too literally. <laughs> no, a retired businessman came into the and, and, during a Saturday when there were a lot of people in the store. It was really booming because he's make leather jackets, and I could make leather jackets for people while they wait. Wow! They had to wait three months. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters Podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and the podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. (laughs) 
Seriously, and, uh, right? Would you do it while they waited? Yeah, three months. And it was an hour, an hour and three quarters was the quickest I could do. That was the fringe jackets. Anyway, this businessman said to me, he'd retired, and he said, stay small. He said, you'll have your freedom. And I, I took it to heart because I thought, boy, I could get women in factories making these and I'd make a lot of money. I'd be paying this insurances and oh, taxes boy. and all that and all sorts of hassles and unions and that. And I thought, I'm going to stay small. And I stayed small. To this day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want one of these jackets. And no, don't you stop. Yeah, yeah Ray, you I should really uh, make <laughs> Ray will be making jackets you know, all hey, the time. For my 40th it. birthday, all I want is a leather jacket yeah. handmade by Ray Comfort. <laughs> I'll buy you one. Was it? Handmade <laughs> Ray, by Ray Comfort. Was it me that got you doing them again? Yes. I oh, did. Nice. I did I do a th- two or three, I think. Yeah, because yeah. you, you goad me. That's you right. Know. I said, no, nah, I don't believe it. No, nah, you know, that's all jackets. you do. Nope, you can't nope. climb that escalator. <laughs> What's the largest jacket you made? Was there 40, 40, 40, 40 no, 50, 53 inch chest. Wait, wow. is that, is that the one? Is one. that the one with the big man and the little? Oh, that, Jacob. That was Jacob, yeah. He, he was a weightlifter for the, uh, the equivalent of the Olympics called the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. He was the gold medalist. Wow. And he came to see me and he said, I like a jacket. And I thought, I'm going to kill about a 10 cows. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a 53 inch chest. It took me like 20 minutes to measure his chest. Had to run around the back. Um, but then he, he lost weight and brought the jacket back. What? <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah, he retired. He was a Christian. He just stopped weight and lifting weights. And he went wow. down. He brought the jacket back and says, can you alter it? And I said, no. Did you use it as a blanket at night, right? Yeah, we use, <laughs> we use it as a tent for a circus. <laughs> All right, friends, enough of this silliness, because we got a serious brother coming on here. Again, we told you we went to G3, and we got to interview a whole bunch of solid men of God. This one is Vody Bacham. No doubt you've heard of him, friends. And he's going to talk about how to become a lifelong lover and defender of the truth. Boy, what a solid brother. You're going to hear about his book, too, as well in the interview. So, without any further ado, here is Vody Bakum. All right. So, as you can tell, friends, we are here at G3 in uh, the wonderful state of Georgia and Atlanta. And we got with us our brother, Vody Bakum. Uh, Vody, father and grandfather. How many yes. you got now? Three now. Three. All right, so you're one far. ahead of me, bro. So far. One ahead of me. We're hoping for 50. <laughs> we want 50. I figure we got nine right? kids, we ought to be able to get 50 grand. Yeah, <laughs> seems reasonable. Let's you go, know. guys. Yeah, a special right. club. You understand. Yeah. Not many understand it, but man, once you're in there, oh, yeah. the more the merrier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Vody, we're, we're excited to have you with us, brother. Thank you for making it all the way here from Luska. Luska? Lusaka. Lusaka. Wow. Lusaka. That is about the worst <laughs> job you've ever done on a name. <laughs> Luska. Lusaka. Just absolutely. Save butchered. that <laughs> we gotta save that one. Yeah. So, man, you, you, we were just talking before we came on, and you've been you've been hitting the road running. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Lots yeah. going on. Lots going on on this trip. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're gonna be talking a little bit about your new your new re-release. Is it? How yeah. do you describe this? Because you, you wrote this a while ago. I wrote that was my first book actually in two thousand and four. Uh, yeah. And we did an update and revision. Um, my, my, publisher got a got a hold of it and uh, my new publisher and was familiar with it and just sort of looked at it again and they were like you need to you need to redo this yeah. you know this needs to come back out uh, now just because so many of the things that I was dealing with you know 20 years ago yeah um, they've grown up they've morphed uh, but foundationally it's the same stuff right yeah, yeah. right so the ever loving truth can faith thrive in post Christian culture so was there a lot of revising you had to do? Or? Not, a, not a lot. Not yeah. a lot. There were some things that, you know, we had to update and add. One example, 
the big worldview issue that I was dealing with in 2004 was secular humanism, right? right? Um, it's atheistic, it's materialistic. But today, um, looking at it, the big worldview issue is neo-Marxism. Right. Still atheistic, um, still materialistic, different philosophical twist yeah. on that ideology. So th there were things like that that we had to, to tweak and, and help people to see. That makes it even that makes it even more helpful, even more meaningful. Yeah. Because like I said, we're dealing with different versions of the same stuff. Yeah. It's atheistic materialism, right? It's there is no God, matter is all that matters. Our ethics and our morals are completely relative because of that. Um, and so let's go. Now, if somebody would have told me in 2004 that, you know, we'd be arguing over pronouns. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, you didn't see that coming. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, the definition of a man. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd have told them they were... They were crazy. Right. But, you know, uh, man, it's, it's like the it's like the frog in the proverbial you know pot. Yeah. It's, it's it's like you look and it's like how in the world did we get here? Yeah. But yet it's been incremental, and and I, I believe the church hasn't been fighting in the way that it should have before we got here. Yeah. You know. But let, let me ask you this, Vody. Um, you know, attack on the truth has been a reality obviously since since the fall, but attack on the very nature of truth itself is no doubt you know it's greater than it's ever been in human history. What would you attribute that to? The attack on the nature of truth itself. Yeah, I attribute that. I attribute that to the fall, because huh. um, I mean, at its essence, if you're going to go to war with truth, you either go to war with truth on its own terms, in which case you lose miserably, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I mean, truth is that which corresponds to reality, and we can say, well, no, that didn't, you you lose that, right? Mm -hmm. Or you make an assault on the very nature of truth itself yeah. so that you sort of take away that ground. You still lose, but um, it's, I don't know, maybe not as bad as a frontal assault. <laughs> yeah, you know, the society in which we now live, right, it's that they would rather be comforted with a lie yeah. than yeah. hurt by the truth. And now truth is more than ever become subjective. Yeah. Unless you're a Christian, then right. we want to banish you to the island right. of forgetfulness. Right. Well, and that brings up a good point, and I want to ask you this, because in 2004, I know you talk in the book about religious pluralism, yes. right? Where it's like all religions are created equally. Yes. But now, in 2023, it's not quite religious pluralism, because Christianity is not seen as equal, but rather as a danger in society. Yeah. Well, even then, even in 2004, I was making that point, right, that culture... So three ideas: pluralism, right? As you as you've mentioned, the new tolerance, mm -hmm. right? And the new tolerance is not, you know, I'll, I'll respectfully disagree with right. you. The new tolerance it's is intolerance. I have to embrace what you believe, That's and right. I have to celebrate, celebrate it. it. That's exactly. Right. Hold on, as equal to my own. Yeah, mm. you got to put that in there. I can't just I can't just celebrate it and hey that's good for you. I have to celebrate it as equal to my own. And then the last one, of course, is relativism, yeah. which is there is no absolute truth, right? Right. And so what the point that I was making in, in 2004 and I'm still making is that when that's your foundation, Christianity has to be eliminated because Christianity puts the lie to your very foundation, mm. right? Christianity stands there and says, hey. Though those things can't be true, because what we believe is true. Yeah. Therefore, you know, there's a chapter. Neutrality is not an option. Yeah. Right? right. 
They can't be neutral to us. They can they can be neutral to, you know, Eastern mysticism and Buddhism and Hindu, all of that stuff, right? They can be neutral to that stuff. But to Christianity, they can't be neutral. Mm, wow. And then here's another interesting thing. They can't be neutral to Islam either. Because mm-hmm. Islam puts the <laughs> lie to that as well. Wow. But they're afraid of Islam. Yeah, yeah. So they shut up. Yeah, wow. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you yeah. never hear Islam ever mentioned when they're doing their big rants. You right. Know? And you know, Vodi, back in the day, as Christians, let's say twenty years ago, we throw out crazy scenarios like, you know, one day, you know, someone will want to marry their their dog, or one day someone will. And some of the things we've seen creep up. I mean, Mark talks about this in, in some of his presentations. People that want to marry buildings, people that are, you know, we just did something on someone wanting to marry their alligator. You know, no. so it's like we're seeing what we used to throw out as scenarios that people think we're crazy as becoming reality. Do you think that this, this sort of stuff, especially within the realm of trans- transgenderism, homosexuality, do you see this as, as potentially the main tool of persecution against the church in days ahead? No, because it's the main tool of persecution now. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is. We are the enemy. We yeah. are the adversary. But there's a flip side to that. I also see it as a tipping point because it's a bridge too far even for pagans. Wow. So you've got non-Christians who are saying, Right. Okay. Wait a minute. You want to do surgery on my child? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because my child believes it? No. That's, that, no. Yeah. You know, wait, you got this book Mm -hmm. in the library? I mean. Yeah. No. So even people who are not Christians um, have said this is a bridge too far. So there's a tipping point. Um, my, my worry, of course, is that you see people going to school board meetings and they're going to battle, but they're going to battle against fruit and not root. Mm, that's um, and that's the conservative non-Christianity, yes. right? That conservative nationalism, but that, that we are heralding up anything that's morally on our side yes. and we're not getting at the root, yes. right? I forget who it was that said it, but the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who proclaim it. Yes. And we are more than ever during our day and age seeing a hatred yes. towards yeah. Christianity and the things of Christ. Yes. Unquestionably, yeah. Uh, you and know, that's the, that, I'm sorry, oh, but, but that's the neo-Marxist bent, right? Oh, yeah. Because in the neo-Marxist bent, you have that oppressor-oppressed right. ideology and the oppressor is the one who establishes the hegemonic power that's used and leveraged against all those who are minorities, right? And, and in America, the neo-Marxists see it as white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered, that's, you know, on down the line. Yeah. And then at the end of that is Christian. Yeah. They see, ironically, the neo-Marxist does see Christianity as the root and foundation of Western civilization. Oh. Mm. But they point to that as the root and foundation of the oppression uh-huh. of all people who don't fall into you know those categories. And so that's why there must be, again, this war against Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was reading a book recently by someone on the other side uh, out of curiosity, and, and I almost fell out of my chair because they, they say that facts are used as a tool for oppression. Yes. <laughs> facts are used as a tool yes. for oppression. Yes, because uh, they're singing from this sheet of music. They believe that there are different knowledges. Yeah. 
Mm. They use that word. Yeah. Wow. Different knowledges Unreal. and different ways of knowing. Yeah. Right? Wow. It's crazy. Uh, professing to be wise, man. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Vodi, the subtitle for your book is Can Faith Thrive in a Post-Christian Culture? So, for our listeners, explain what you mean by post-Christian culture. Yeah, you know, that's a phrase I, I uh, borrowed from Francis Schaeffer. Mm. Um, and it's interesting for him to have been talking about post-Christian culture. During his all time. That, yeah, during, <laughs> yeah, during, during his time. Right. And what I mean by that is not that Christianity is gone, right? That all vestiges of Christianity have faded away because that's not true. But th- the way that I illustrate it for people is it, it's like American culture is a, a petulant teenager mm. who's decided, I know better, yep. right? I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. He's not acknowledging the fact that every tool he has in his toolbox so came good. from his family yeah. that raised him, right. right? But he thinks, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. That's America yeah. as it relates to Christianity, mm. yeah. right? right? It is everything we are. Yeah. It is everything that has made us great. It is everything that has built Western civilization. That's right. And we've now taken a few classes in college, and we're saying, that's trash. (laughs) I'm going to go, and I'm going to do something different. And every tool that we have that's worth having comes from the foundation that we're trying to run away from. Uh, I, I, I love that, man. It's so true. And, and uh, it reminds me of Tom Holland's book, Dominion. You know, he is yeah. a, a non-Christian. Yes. Yes. But he looks yes. at history and he says, look, everything that we desire to believe true, equality, yes. justice, caring for Amen. the poor, all of these foundational beliefs that make us ticks are given to us by Christianity. Yes. And so what, what, what culture is doing now is they're taking the gift from God and they're distorting it. They're yeah. trying to pursue it in their own ways and their own views, and it becomes disruptive. What was justice becomes injustice. Right. So how do we how do we get people to realize that like at the core of what they're arguing for can only be found through the lens of the gospel? By telling them that, you know, <laughs> um, it, 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 there's another book uh, that I wrote a few, a few years back. I can't even remember how, you know how long ago it was, but uh, expository apologetics. And in that book, it's all about how we do that and why we need to do that. Presuppositional apologetics, right? We have presuppositions. They have presuppositions. They don't think they do, right? Yeah. So we've got to show them that they do, show them what their presuppositions are, show them the end result of their presuppositions and how it ends in folly, and then come right back and say, I have presuppositions, but here's where mine end up. And, oh, by the way, everything good in yours, yep. you stole from mine. Right. There you go. Uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vodi, uh, all of us here at the table have kids. We were just talking a few minutes ago about our grandkids. Uh, I know that, that that's one of the things that fuels you with the passion you have to, to get this truth out, not just for our children, grandchildren, but, but for God's people uh, all around the world and for generations to come. But if you're able to sit down with a young person today, obviously acknowledging the fact that all of God's truth is important for us to, to know yeah. and understand, but yeah. in light of this, this current culture in the midst of which we're living, which truths would you encourage this younger generation to focus on, understand, and learn to defend? Yeah. So... I'll answer that two ways. Long term, I am going to lean heavily on creeds, catechisms, and confessions. Amen. Okay? Yeah, right. I'm going to lean heavily on that. And by the way, we run away from that, right, because of our subjectivism and because of, you know, all of these other things. We run away from that, right? But I'm going to lean heavily on that. Having said that, I'm also going to lean heavily on our meta narrative. I'm going to lean heavily on. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. 
Learn that story. Yeah, know good. that story. Oh. Okay? And then creeds, confessions, catechisms, building upon that foundation. Right? Oh. So we start with, there's a God who created the world. Man fell into sin. God sent a redeemer. Right? At the end of the age, all that's wrong is going to be made right. Um, and so, and then we take those three things, creeds, confessions, and catechisms, and we build up our knowledge and understanding and theological foundation in each of those four areas. So good. That's good. Yeah, I love that. You know, Vodi, I I think it was a year before last, I was sitting in in the audience at the Shepherds Conference, and you preached a message on the gospel. And, and in there, you used an illustration where you talked about strawberries. Strawberries, man. <laughs> Bro, yeah. let me just tell you, man. <laughs> he got saved by strawberries. <laughs> We've been praying got, for years. I got saved again, bro. <laughs> Sitting in that message. Seriously, I walked out of there. And to this day, it, it, it's definitely one of the most powerful messages mm. I've ever heard on the gospel. Mm. For our listeners, can you just kind of summarize the whole story? Do it again. No, just all over. <laughs> Start to finish, bro. <laughs> Welcome to Shepherd's Conference. <laughs> I want to get saved yet once again. Yeah. <laughs> so can you just uh, give, give us a, you know, yeah, summarize yeah. that, bro, please. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's it, the idea is, you know, you have a kid and you bring your kid to the strawberry patch and, and the kid... Uh, eats the strawberry and enjoys the strawberry, and this is not even original to me. But next thing you do is you you take them out and 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 they get you know a strawberry milkshake, and then they get you know a strawberry <laughs> slushy, and then they get you know strawberry candy, and eventually they're getting stuff that doesn't even have real strawberries in it, just Ooh, strawberry right. flavoring, and so on and so forth. And you do several years of that, and then you take them back to the strawberry patch, and they eat a strawberry, and they don't like it. No, that's wow. good. Because it's not sweet enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. First time they ate it until their face was, you know, full of it. But but now they, 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 they won't even eat it. And that's kind of where we are in our culture as it relates to the gospel. There have been so many watered down, um, you know, sugary, yeah. uh, fake versions that when people encounter the true gospel, they find it offensive. And, of course, in the message, what I said was the answer to that is to keep taking them to the strawberry patch and mm-hmm. stop giving them the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually strawberries will taste sweet again. People yeah. may be comforted by a lie, but it's the truth yes. that we face inside yes. the end. Yes. How, how would you define truth? Uh, I have a you know, correspondence for you. Cor- correspondence for you. Uh, truth is that which corresponds to reality. Yeah. And of course I also have the revelation view, which is truth is a person. Right, Amen. Jesus is truth. Right, and so I bring those two things together. Truth is that which corresponds to reality, and reality is that which we receive from the one who is truth. And you bring those two things together, and you have reason and revelation that continues to pursue, not either or, but both and. And it, right, and so this is why it's important. Right, this is why it's important because somebody responds back and they say. Right. Well, your reality is not my reality. Court, truth is that which corresponds to reality. Your reality is not my reality. Hence, we bring in the truth yeah. of the gospel, the truth of God's word. Yes. We are sanctified by his truth. His word is truth. And this yeah. is why the presuppositional approach is the necessity within a conversation. No. Because when they begin to borrow from our worldview, yes. they have no idea of the detriment that lies before them. We have to continually open up God's Word and yes. demonstrate as our source of authority, as they borrow from our worldview, 
that they will not make sense of their own worldview. Yeah. That's why. Absolutely. And, of course, you show the contradictions. I, I do this in the book, right? You know, when you're talking about religious pluralism, well, Christianity believes that there is a God and that God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, Buddhism believes that there is no God. Yeah. Those two things are mutually exclusive. Right. right. They cannot both be true. They can both be wrong. Yeah but they cannot both be true. No. So to the person who says, your reality is not my reality, <laughs> I point out examples like that to say, well, well again, both of them can't be wrong, right? Oh. but they can't both be right. right. Therefore, the idea that your reality is your reality and my reality is my reality cannot be something that we can stand upon. Your presupposition is broke, not right. broken, it's broken. That's beyond broken, right? Yeah. But with yeah. three syllables. Yes. Baroque. Oh. Uh, that's great. You know, Vode, I'd love you to speak to the dynamics involved between, and God's word was just mentioned as authority, uh, between the abandonment of the authority of Scripture in the church uh, and the resulting drift in the things like theistic evolution, the acceptance of homosexuality, transgenderism, critical race theory, uh, women pastors, right? Yeah. So, so. Yeah, draw that correlation there. Yeah, there is. And when you, you, you see this, you see this in churches. And when I say churches, I mean you see this in individual congregations. You see this in denominational structures all the time where there's a pattern. You don't start with women as pastors. You don't start with theistic evolution. You don't start with those things. It always starts with subtle shifts. Mm in relation to the authority and sufficiency Amen. of Scripture, right. right? We start denying inerrancy, and then we start denying sufficiency. And now, all of a sudden, we go to passages that are absolutely clear, mm. and first we tweak them, and then we outright deny them, yeah. right? We deny everything. We start talking about Paul's deficiencies, you know, thinking about the, you know, women as pastors, yeah. you know, Paul's deficiencies and all these things that he didn't know that he didn't understand. And even Christ's deficiencies, things that he didn't know and he didn't understand. When you talk about homosexuality, yeah. the homosexuals, what's their argument now after you get, get away from this sufficiency and authority of scripture? Well, Paul didn't understand sexual uh. orientation. <laughs> Right? He he would have understood pederasty, but he wouldn't have known or understood sexual orientation. And so because of those limitations that he had, he couldn't have possibly been writing about that. Mm. Well, you and I go, wait a minute. You got a much larger problem. Because yeah. now you're denying that the God who by his spirit, right, inspired the writing of the Bible was deficient to get across what he intended to get yeah. across. Again, it go, it all, you track it back. And it goes back to the authorities and the sufficiency of Scripture every time. You know, and it's funny because these same people who are claiming to hunger and thirst for truth, they don't like the taste of it when it's served up. No. Mm. Well, what and here's, here's what's they important. They want slushy, man. They want slushy strawberries. <laughs> they <want> slushy, <laughs> Essence. Yeah. Yes. Here's, here's the thing, though, is, is it's important for us, I think, to recognize the relationship between man and truth post-fall because truth yeah. is an issue of the heart more than it is the head. Yeah. Often we talk about truth as though it's like, you know, you can type in an address in your Google Maps and it's going to take you there. But what we forget is that that we don't pursue truth with our mind. We pursue truth with our heart, the things that we yeah. love. And I love uh, to borrow from a non-Christian again. Uh, Jonathan Haidt in The Righteous Mind uses great analogy in which he says, 
our heads and our hearts, the relationship is like the president and the press secretary. The heart is like the president. It comes out, it makes a choice about the economy, about the way the world's going to work. And then it goes backstage. And what comes out after that is the press secretary, the head. And the press secretary's job is to gather as much data as possible to defend the decision the president already made. And so he says, like, our heads work that way as well. We're sitting there trying to defend the decision our hearts have already made. Mm which here's where it's important is we see pastors, their, their hearts start to drift. And so then yeah. their view of the gospel or their view of scripture starts to drift. How many pastors who have changed their view on homosexuality start with a child in mm. their home yeah. 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 Totally. that came out as gay? Yeah. yeah. Sentiment. Right? Yeah. And yeah. then the next thing you know, they've done some mental and theological gymnastics right. yep. Their head and now they've the re- absolutely yeah. they've reinterpreted scripture because of this experience with one whom they love. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we see this happen in other arenas as well. I mean, you even have theologians, respected theologians. A loved one dies who didn't know Christ, and then they're yes. grappling with the fact that they're in hell, and yes. it's like, ah, uh, well, yes. it can't be true. Right. Yes. And we, that's where we have to be careful as God's people. We can't go by sentiment. God has revealed truth, and we have to stick with it. You know, Vody, we often use the term, we stand on the shoulders of giants. What are some of the lessons we can learn from our forefathers in the faith when it comes to not compromising the truth? One lesson, um, and again, I write about this in the book as well, is that refusing to compromise in the truth brings suffering. Mm. And, and I've got a whole section where I deal with suffering. But the, the book, by the way, is based on an exposition of Acts chapter 4. And so what I'm arguing is that the experience of Peter and John in a pre-Christian culture is, is a, a, a shadow of our experience in a post-Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Wow. And one of the things is that's where the whole idea of neutrality not being an option comes from. And also the idea that suffering is inevitable because if our culture can't be neutral to us, then it has to marginalize us. And it has to persecute us because that's the only way that they can hold on for a little longer, right, to the things that they're holding on to. So I I think first and foremost, when we look back, we have to recognize that that people suffered and sometimes Mm -hmm. they suffered greatly. Sometimes they they lost, you know, their, their... their, their financial wherewithal and sometimes they, they lost their families and sometimes they lost their lives. Mm. We've we got to be ready for that. And that's yeah. hard for us as Americans because, again, to go back to what we talked about before, our foundations and the foundations of Western civilization, it, it's, it's our worldview, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, what we've had in, in Western civilization and in the United States in particular is an unprecedented uh, period in history where Christianity was not persecuted, but actually put center stage and flourished. Yeah. Mm. So as Americans, really over our whole history, we've had an experience that's alien to the history of the church. Yeah. We, we, in the history of the church, Christians have been persecuted. Yep. We've yeah. been outsiders, so right? Yeah. And so now as Americans, we've had this very different, you know, epoch of time. Yeah. And as a result of that, we're soft. Yeah, 100%. We have no idea how to handle not being, you know, the the guy. And this is where I actually get excited. 
because anytime, well, I feel like there's a refining that's happening. And yes. what happens first, Peter, refinement means more purity, right? Yes. A, mu- a more pure church, yes. a more potent church. Yes. And I, I take hope in the first 300 years of Christianity where it was significantly persecuted and yet it exploded. It was a revolution yes. that changed the world forever. And so without personal Bibles, that's exactly mm. right. Yeah. <laughs> so like what's, yeah. I mean, do you see hope yeah, in that thing? Absolutely. Do you see hopefulness in absolutely. persecution? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely do. And I, I see hopefulness in, in a couple of things. And again, talking about the example here, and I've thought about this more, you know, we've lived now for eight years in, in Lusaka. Yeah. Um, I'll never be able to think about that word again. Luska. Luska, <laughs> <laughs> bro. I'm redefining. It's relative, you know? I mean, my yeah. truth. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But something interesting happens when you get away. And I don't mean for a vacation, that, even for a vacation. But when you get away from your culture and your cultural moorings, you see things that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, And there are a number of things that I've just come to realize and appreciate. For example, you know, we talk about federalism. You yeah. know, people in, 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 uh, in Zambia, um, Zambia is the size of Texas with half as many people. Mm. And so they always want to know what it's like in America. Yeah. Well, and I always go, oh, time out. <laughs> um, you're doing with us what people do with Africa, right? People talk about Africa like it's one country, uh, right? Uh, that's um, good, that's instead good. of 55, right? Yeah. Well, you know, over in Africa, eh, eh, <laughs> yeah. 55 countries. Well, in the United States, there's 50 states. Yeah, right. Christianity in Texas is not the same as Christianity in Maine, mm, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. And one of the things that encourages me is that I've been in all of our 50 states. There are thousands of prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we don't know most of their names because yeah. yeah. they're shepherding, you know, 50, 75, 100 people Praise somewhere. God. But they're faithful. Amen. They're strong. They're yeah. solid. Yeah. Right? And I'm encouraged. That's dope. By that, mm. yeah. you know? Boy, I forget who said it, but it was the, the modern-day Christian melts like a chocolate bunny in the heat of modern warfare. And let, let's replace that word Christian just with churchgoer. Yeah. Yeah. And we're seeing, I think, less and less churchgoers, kind of like after 9-11 when everybody just went to church. Yes. Yeah. Right? Now, it's like if you want to claim the name of Christ. Take something. It's going to take something. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a bullseye on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's that's the move into post and into post Judeo Christianity is because like everybody, you know, when it was a cultural phenomenon, like everybody wants Jesus the comforter, Jesus the healer, yes. Jesus the one that's going to give him a good marriage, yes. but Jesus Lord, yes, uh, Lord of our lives, no, 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 who no, no. devour, who demands it, yes. our allegiance. And I, I think about nine eleven, and I think about some of those events that happened after nine eleven, and some of the pe- people who spoke after nine eleven, pastors being brought in to do different things at nine eleven, oh. um, you know. Just from the from from the president on down, you know, some of those things that were said in the days following nine eleven would 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 get people impeached today. Yeah. Oh, big time! You know, big time. yeah. 100%. You know, one of the things that's encouraged me. We've been doing a lot of ministry in Latin America, and we were we were recently in uh, Puerto Rico. Just hearing about a revival of expository preaching going on was just. So encouraging because again, That's it right. goes back to the foundation of God's word. Amen. Yeah. So, well, Vody, this has been great. Real quick, can you can you tell us what's happening in Lusaka in terms of your ministry, so people can know how to pray for you? And yeah, I mean, we're we're still there plugging away at the African Christian University. We're still there trying to 
train up and raise up students who'll be lead, cultural leaders yeah. um, in, in Zambia and uh, the South Central Africa region and beyond. That's great, brother. Yeah. Well, we're encouraged. And how can people can connect with you? How can they get the book and find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, you know, you can get the book everywhere that, that, uh, that books are sold and wherever the places are. Yeah. That, that you enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> you got a uh, website. Or... You can go to votibacham.org yeah. um, and, and, and you can do it there. Um, but, you know, I like, I like for people to go to bookstores. Yeah. Um, I like people to go in there and, and um, because a lot of times, you know, my books will be, you know, my last book was, was a national bestseller. Yeah. And you go into places that remain, remain nameless, like Barnes and & Noble, and, <laughs> and, and it wouldn't even be there. Yeah. Right? There were books that were behind mine on the bestsellers list that would be <laughs> front out center. front yeah. and center, yeah. you know, and I'd have to ask them and they'd have to go back to the back, yeah, right. right, and pick up one of the two copies that they have in the whole store, yeah. right, hide it under their jacket <laughs> while they come and give it to me to buy, you know. So I like for people to go and just, like you know, go do that. Go yeah. press that, you hey, know. That's great. I like that. Well, brother, it's been a joy to have you on, and uh, we're encouraged by your stand for truth. Your boldness inspires God's people. Yeah. So keep it up, and I uh, will look forward to connecting with you more. Absolutely. Thank right. you, brothers. This Our has been pleasure. good. And put away the strawberry milkshakes and go get yourself a real strawberry. Go Is that get a strawberry. Yeah, man. Get the real <laughs> Go thing. get a bunch of them. <laughs> Love it. All right. Amen. That was great. If you can't say amen, say ouch. That's probably Vody's most famous quote. I use it often. Wow. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. I never heard that. That sounds great. That's a great saying. Yeah, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Wow. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I'll share it sometimes when I'm preaching. You hear the whole congregation go, ouch. <laughs> so it works. But Every yeah. time I stub my toe, I'm like, amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark, wasn't that good with Lodi? Boy, I, I wasn't intimidated in being next to him, but I wanted to be intimidated. You know, I the, his wealth of knowledge and his desire for uh, holiness inside the church and with uh, the family, yeah. just his desire to want to raise a godly family and have people around him raise godly families is so infectious. Yeah. Absolutely love Odie. After that interview, I had just like the strongest craving for strawberry strawberry milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a good illustration That's though? Good. The whole That's strawberry really thing. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, who wasn't there, Ray Comfort? Yes, I, I wasn't there. Yeah, I don't care. I got my chickens to look at. <laughs> chickens, chickens, chickens. 25. Yeah. You're up to 25 now? Yes. Is this an addiction? It is. Do we need to have like a... I need counseling. It? No. There, there's more hope for a heroin addict. <laughs> what do they call it when you get Ray everyone in chickens. a room? It's like you intervention. Have a Interve- we need an intervention for you. <laughs> no, you Seriously. <laughs> nah, I love I, my chickens. I'm normal. Nah, I didn't even uh, mention uh, hold, it. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. So sad to bring this to a conclusion, but we must. Please make sure to get Vody's book, The Ever-Loving Truth. And please stay our friends. Oh, <laughs> stay our friends. Yeah. And don't forget the starter kit, the Living Waters mug and the Evidence Study Bible at livingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. Cut. The ultimate cure <laughs> for insomnia. <laughs> Just a little one that time. That's good.
Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too, those of you who are listening. Just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.